Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Liar. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by our college basketball co-host. You know him as Lucha Larry on, on gambling Twitter. I know him as Bill Christie. Find all of his picks and uh, give him a follow uh, at Larry's Locks 2. Bill, always good to have you aboard again. How you doing? Doing pretty good. I know we had a... Uh... A little extended time off. We had planned on recording last night, but things fell through. Um, but, hey, I, I can't complain. I had a phenomenal week last week. We finished with my VIPs up over 20 units on the week, and we are currently going into this evening on the month over 44 units. And, you know, I, I don't really plug myself too often on this show. I know you usually do it for me, but – Um, I'd love to reach out to you guys. And if you're, if you're following me for the free plays, I appreciate it. If you're following me for the content, I appreciate that as well. But I mean, if you're not on VIP, you're missing the boat on a lot of free money here and insight. Uh, I only charge 25 for the week and 75 for the month. Always running specials, always have notifications on because I tend to put out some posts there and some quick trivia hits. And if you answer it as the first person, I typically give out a free week a VIP pass, but it's just been a phenomenal start to 2021 and <clears throat> excuse me, 
you know, I'm just looking forward to going forward with it and enjoying the rest of uh, this college basketball season. And I know we've talked before, like, this is kind of like, you know, you've said the dog days of winter here before we get to March, but do you yeah. know what, like, this stretch is is in college basketball before conference tournaments and all that stuff? Do you know what this is? Oh, there's a term for it? Well, I, just, I think I just made it up tonight, but this is this is revenge time. This is where we start, start seeing. Okay, you're starting to see the second games of the regular season. Exactly. exactly, and that's always a big piece of my capping process. You know, I know everybody here always hears us talk about we have the spots of the look ahead spots, we have the spots, right. the letdown spots, Flat spots. This is, yeah, this is this is a new added piece to it because now some of these teams are starting to play each other for the second time, and not in that back to back frame. You know, you're talking about teams that have had a couple games and they really kind of identify themselves as what team they are now you know, kind of in the meat of the season. So I'm looking forward to putting that part of the uh, process into the handicapping and looking forward to that going forward. Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned that because I never really actually, you know, cared to think about that over the years, but even in some of the games tonight, and we're, we have a couple, well, tomorrow night, which we record on Tuesday night, but some of these games for Wednesday night that we're going to be picking, I have in my notes as revenge spots, and uh, it's just something that I suppose I never cared to actually put two and two together on over the years. But you're right. You get into these conference games and you play a lot of the conference teams twice. And, you know, now we're uh, you know, a good month into conference play and we're starting to get around to seeing everybody for the second time. So I suppose on that note, let's jump right into it with a consensus play. Uh, and it is on the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're going to start in the Big Ten tonight with the Northwestern Wildcats traveling to Columbus to take on Ohio State, and we're seeing Ohio State a 7.5, 8-point favorite, it looks like, at different shops, a total of 142.5 in this game. And I can uh, tell you, I'm going to be on Ohio State, and Bill, I know you are as well. We'll get, I'll let you go in just a second, but I, you know, it obviously is a revenge spot for Ohio State. They lost against Northwestern on the road as a short favorite back on December the 23rd. Uh, and this game is back in Columbus, which I think is important. We talked about Ohio State uh, on our last pod, unfortunately, it was a consensus loser for us on Rutgers. But I mentioned that Ohio State, particularly recently, going back to the beginning of last season, has been a much different team at home than they have been on the road. And I'll say it again, I mentioned it on last weekend's pod, Ohio State has the second best home cover rate in the Big Ten uh, since the start of last year. So uh, clearly they're pretty comfortable there in Columbus. And, you know, I do think for a team that has struggled a lot on the road in recent years, and that was why I think both of us liked Rutgers on Saturday, for Ohio State to get the win that they got against Rutgers, I mean, I watched most of that game, and I'm sure you did, being on Rutgers as well. I know Rutgers didn't look good, but let's give Ohio State some credit. They're up double digits at half. You know, they're a uh, short underdog in the game, and they're never feeling any pressure. You know, they could have been a – they looked like they were an, an eight, nine-point favorite in the game for all per, intensive purposes because they really never had to sweat. They were the better team from start to finish. I think they're a pretty confident group here going into this game against Northwestern. And, again, I think they're probably licking their chops for revenge. Ohio State minus the points for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and you mentioned the, the game they had against Rutgers there, how, how well they looked. And before the season started, the conference preview episode that we did, I did put Ohio State as my kind of uh, overrated type team here. I, I said that they weren't going to last in the top 25 too long. 
And, you know, they've they've been proving me wrong. You know, they've been strong out the gate and, and playing good ball all the way through. Um, you mentioned this is going to be that revenge spot for them. And you also mentioned how well Ohio State has played at home. Northwestern as road dogs are only one and two. Ohio State being four and two as home favorites. And this Northwestern team, they've had arguably the toughest stretch of a schedule in the country as of recently. They played against Iowa. Then they got Michigan. Then they had Illinois. And they lost all three. That last win they had was against this Ohio State team. And that was only by one at home. Uh, So like you said, the revenge spot here for Ohio State, I love it. Uh, The Ken Palm rankings, when when I took a look at that, I I was shocked. I didn't realize that how good of an offense uh, Ohio State had been. They are top 10, ninth overall in uh, offensive efficiency. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and defensively, there's not there's no slouch either. They're, they're top 50, you know, 56 uh, in the Ken Palm, and Northwestern on the other side, they're 60 defensively, 61st offensively. So, you know, I, I see advantages all over the board for Ohio State here. And then again, we talk about the revenge spot, and the fact that they only lost by one at Northwestern. Right. To see this line, and it's not an enormous line, but it's a healthy, you know, favorite line here. Uh, I think that if you would have seen this this game happen first, if it was at Ohio State uh, prior to the loss to you would have, yeah, you know, yeah, I think that changes things. I, I love where it came out out here. I think the line's only going to grow as the day goes on tomorrow, leading up to tip off. So I think I put it out at seven and a half when I got it uh, about an hour and a half, two hours ago. Um, and I know you said you're on it as well. So, you know, we need some wins on our consensus picks because I know our last pod, we, we struggled a bit. we got to get back on the horse and, and do oh, a better well, job of it. So yeah, hopefully it starts brutal. here. Yeah, hopefully it starts here with the Buckeyes, and, you know, hopefully the basketball team doesn't put up a performance like the football team did the other night. <laughs> yeah, no, good point. That's for sure. Uh, Bill, I want to ask you, too, while we're just talking about the Big Ten, because I think that uh, I just saw – and. I wasn't, in fairness, looking at it intently, but I'm pretty sure I saw Northwestern pop up on uh, ESPN in the background as a bubble team for Lenardi as we're, we're really getting close to, you know, speaking about what time of year yeah. this is. We're getting close to peak Lenardi season here where, yeah. you know, a- after the Super Bowl, we're going to be seeing him on ESPN once, twice a week minimum. But anyway, Northwestern looking, you know, 59th in Kempom rankings, looks like they're going to kind of be on that bubble and, you know, Ohio State, Kempom really likes them. They're all the way up at 17, but obviously still kind of in that middle of the pack in the Big Ten standings. I'm curious how you look at the non-elite teams in the Big Ten in terms of extracting value and just making sense of who they are. Because I think there's one of two ways that this, the whole middle tier of Big Ten teams can go. And I think this game personifies the direction that those two teams can go in terms of like, if you're looking at Northwestern and you're looking at Ohio state, we look at that win that Ohio state had against Rutgers. And I kind of think, okay, now they're going to start to pick up some steam and kind of solidify themselves. And, and, and they're going to kind of utilize all these opportunities that they're getting in the conference to their advantage and kind of come March actually kind of be a dangerous team. Whereas I look at Northwestern and say, well, you know, if, they might be the kind of team, and, and we'll see what happens the rest of the Big Ten season, but we both like Ohio State here. Northwestern might be that kind of team in the middle where they kind of flounder a continuing, you know, having to play all these good teams time and time again, 
And at the end of the day, losses are losses. And maybe the Big Ten, you know, could could it's a little bit of a double edged sword here. And, and maybe it could really hurt a team like Northwestern. I'm just curious how you kind of interpret the Big Ten. And, and, and you know, is it the gift that keeps on giving for these teams in the middle? Or is it, you know, a, a death sentence in terms of just always having to find wins when you're on the bubble and, and they're going to be hard to come by? Yeah, I think I hate to say this and speak out both sides of my mouth, but it is it is a double-edged sword, right? Like, it, it all depends on how the team decides to go. I mean, you can, you know, take your ball and go home like a coach and a team we won't mention, especially after their performance today. Um, or you could be a team that says, look, we might have some losses. We might be a middle-of-the-road team. But we're getting all these opportunities coming up against top, you know, 15, top 10, some top five teams uh, within the conference where they can get these huge resume building wins. Um, so it's all it all depends on the makeup of the team and the character that they have. Um, it, it's just when I look at it, I, I'm trying to think of, OK, if, if I'm in the committee's shoes, right, and I'm, I'm, I'm deciding on which teams are going to be in, which teams are going to be out, I do feel like. Because all I keep hearing about from, you know, the talking heads really is how strong the Big Ten is. And I think that that actually is going to help a team like Northwestern if they can pick up a couple of quality wins going forward because they're going to look at it and say, okay, this Northwestern team, they might be a, you know, 10-loss team. However, their 10 losses, nine of them are against top 20 teams in the country. Right. And when they look at it that way, you know, it's it's – you don't want to say it's a good loss, but it's a much better loss than say to a team that's on the Exactly. So, so I think there's a lot of opportunities for these teams being in the Big Ten and how strong the Big Ten is this year. But again, it's all going to depend on how they perform against those top teams. And Northwestern, just looking at them, and I mentioned how tough their schedule had just been. You know, they get this Ohio State game, and then they're going against Iowa again, granted at home. They still have Wisconsin again on the road. They still have Michigan again at home. They still have at Illinois. They have at Minnesota. They have home against Wisconsin again. I mean, it's going to be a tough stretch for them the rest of the way. And I feel like these two games, this Ohio State game and the Iowa game, are going to be indicative of how their season goes. Like, if they can't get it together against Ohio State here, which, again, we both don't think that they will, I can't imagine them coming out against Iowa and and really putting it to them and, and actually getting a win there. Uh, Iowa doesn't have a quote-unquote look-ahead spot when they go against Northwestern in the next matchup, and I think Northwest, or Iowa is just you know running at a different level right now too. So there's opportunity there. Uh, and again, like I said, the committee I think is going to favor some of those teams, but this stretch is going to be too tough for Northwestern in my opinion. One last note of the Big Ten says we're not going to talk any more Big Ten games on the pod. After tonight, you ready to go there with me? Michigan, best team in the league? Man, did they look good tonight or what? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm upset I didn't max them. I put them out as a two-unit play. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I still want to hesitate, but I, they, you can't say they're not a top-five team in the country right now. You, you can't. Um, but you're willing to say they're a top team in the country? Uh, best team in the conference. In the conference. In the league, yeah. I'm not going to give that up yet. No, I don't not think I'm going there yet. I'm okay. not going there yet. I don't. Until until the matchup, uh, I don't know when it is. I actually just tweeted it out. I forget the date now. When they when they go against Iowa, I think that's going to determine uh, the leader of the pack. 
Sure. You know. Let's but. keep things moving though, and uh, get back to some more picks. Uh, and we're gonna. I'm gonna take us to the Atlantic Ten, where I'm gonna look to uh, Duquesne traveling to Dayton, uh, catching six and a half total of one thirty-two. Give me the road dog here with Duquesne, as I think the Dukes are going to be able to keep this game close. This is primarily going to be a fade of Dayton, however, because this is something that I spoke about with this Dayton Flyers team a couple of weeks ago. I was on LaSalle as a big underdog against Dayton on this podcast, and LaSalle ended up winning the game outright as a 12-point road dog. But I talked about, and, and this has continued, I mentioned how Dayton just doesn't, seem like a team I want to back as, you know, hefty chalk here, and obviously this isn't double digits, but still six and a half is considerable, and uh, I said that because they lose Obi Toppin, and, and they still have Jalen Crusher, who's an outstanding player, uh, but he obviously isn't Toppin in terms of being discussed as a National Player of the Year candidate, and they're also down one of their key veterans, Rodney Chapman. Uh, is a senior averaging 34 minutes a game, and he does put up 10 points per game. So, uh, you know, definitely a veteran presence that hasn't been there lately for Dayton. Uh, and just go, I, I think because of that, they've just had to grind out more wins this year, and it hasn't been coming as easily for them in the Atlantic 10. And that's why it doesn't surprise me that you look at the A-10 standings right now. Uh, you know, Dayton in league play is 2-2. Two and two. And, you know, they are still 6-3 and three overall, uh, but, you know, it looks like it could be a grind for them just to make the NCAA tournament this year. Right now, they're 71st in Ken Palm on the outside looking in. So a lot of work to be done for Dayton still. Uh, the exact numbers, 1-4 against the spread when favored by at least 5.5 this year. And two of those four non-covers were outright losses. I mentioned the LaSalle loss. And then since then, they blew another game as a heavy favorite. Just last week against Fordham, they lost at, by one point in the Bronx uh, as a 12-point road favorite. Now, they did just come back and win in overtime as a 7-point underdog at Davidson. But I do think for a team like Dayton, who, like I said, has been a bad favorite, this would profile to be a pretty vintage letdown spot uh, where, you know, a little fat and happy overtime win – they end up winning, matter of fact, by double digits in overtime, 89-78 against Davidson. So they really dominated the extra session. Uh, and just as proof that they really haven't been dominating anybody, if you needed more of it, despite the fact that they haven't been covering these bigger numbers, I looked up just the total scoring this year, Dayton versus Dayton opponents. Dayton 628, Dayton opponents 598, and that's in nine games. So you do the math, they're outscoring opponents by slightly more than three points per game. So again, it doesn't really speak to Dayton being a favorite in this price range. And for what it's worth, while Duquesne hasn't been very good, they've probably been a little bit of a disappointment. They were picked fifth in the conference, and Dayton was only picked to finish third. So at least as far as the preseason prognostications went, these two teams were in the same neighborhood in the Atlantic 10. I think six and a half is too many. I'll take the Dukes plus the points. Yeah, I, I don't have a play on this one, but when I was going and looking at the games tomorrow, I did have a initial lean on Duquesne. I couldn't get myself to put a play on it, um, but, you know, you almost talked me into it. Maybe tomorrow <laughs> when I look back at it again, I'll put something in there. But, um, 
Yeah, I would lean to Kane here. All the reasons you said, Dayton has kind of played down to the level of their competition this season. So it wouldn't shock me at all if Duquesne covers his number. And to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked either if Duquesne came out and, and got a W outright win on this game. The line kind of is indicative of that. Uh, it's not a huge heavy favorite here by Dayton. So anything's possible with this one. Let's take a break. And actually, no, I want to get to one more pick before our break uh, in the ACC, uh, where we have an interesting matchup uh, between the North Carolina State Wolfpack and the Florida State Seminoles, this game going off at about 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. North Carolina State is a road underdog of three and a half points, total in the game of 143. And that's where I'm going to look in this game. I'm going to play the game under the total uh, and uh, look to just for a defensive battle. Both these teams top 50 in defensive efficiency. Uh, And one thing, too, that we always look to with unders, at least I like to look at this, is how the teams are from the three-point line because, obviously, you get a barrage of, you know, two threes from one team and another three from another team in a, you know, a minute span, and that's nine quick points. So uh, you always want, at least it makes me feel better about taking an under when I know I don't have assassins from the three-point line. And North Carolina State, that just doesn't seem to be their M.O. They don't shoot a lot of threes. 226th in the nation in three-pointers attempted per game. Florida State is also outside the top 100 in threes attempted. And that didn't surprise me either, just in watching Leonard Hamilton's teams. They really seem to beat you up, grind you down, and, and bruise you inside on the boards and uh, you know, and in tight. I, I just feel like that's kind of been Florida State's identity, at least in most of his time there. Um, and I did look at Florida State's games this year. They played three games this year with a total of 139.5 or higher, and all three have landed under. You know, and this total, again, uh, would fall under that category. Um, Florida State also hasn't played a game in two-plus weeks. December the 29th was the last game that they played. I think that's something to consider, not just for totals, but for sides as well. Uh, first halves, normally you might look at teams coming out a little rusty. I think that also speaks to the under in this game. And I talked about how I don't expect the threes to be going up and going down with regularity in this game. North Carolina State big man Manny Bates blocks three shots per game. So uh, he should be a menacing presence inside for the Wolfpack here as short underdogs that could maybe keep them in this thing. And if he's doing that with a lot of good interior defense, that would also make me think the game stays under. So I'm going to play this game under the total. I don't know if you have anything, uh, at least any thoughts on this game between a pair of ACC foes. The only thing I would say is the last game Florida State played, they played against a very strong defensive team, correct, in Clemson? Uh, that's correct. Now, you're, again, going back a while. but Correct, yeah, absolutely. We're going back to, yeah, the 29th. Um, but I'm going to go to that game. That, that, that 77 to 67 you know, it's for me. That's sort of a high-scoring game. Yeah, um, no, for a Clemson game. But like you said, a lot of time off in this, and, and I can't imagine them coming out firing from the get-go. Um, I guess if I leaned either way on a total, which I obviously, I mean, anybody that listens to this or follows me on Twitter knows I don't play too many totals specifically with mm-hmm. college basketball. Um, but I guess if I had to lean anywhere, I'd, I'd lean to the under, only because of the handicap you gave it. <laughs> Well, there we go. We'll take a break, and we'll come back uh, with more picks. Another consensus play on the way as well here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. 
Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, you'll and on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast, Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg for all of my picks, joined by my college basketball co-host, Bill Christie. You know him on gambling Twitter as Lucha Larry. Find him and all of his picks at Larry's Locks, too. And, uh, hey, become a VIP. Bill, it sounds like uh, those VIPs, as you mentioned, have been uh, treated pretty well of late. Yeah, no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Jump on board. And if you can't afford it just yet, keep an eye out for the free plays. Make some coin that way, and then jump on the VIP with those winners. I'm curious, uh, do you give out, like, lesser confident plays as free plays, or will you mix in some, some bigger ones as well? No, I, I, I'll completely mix it up. Um, I, okay. I typically don't put out the amount of units that I'm going to have on the specific play when I put it out as a free play. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did put out a few of my five-unit bombs, which I don't really typically put out too often, um, but I made it known that that's what they were going to be. And then I usually will let people know after the game is over, um, if it was a higher-value play, it was a three-unit or five-unit play, I let them know after the fact. And again, reference the fact that the VIPs had an idea of what the unit number was for that play, uh, and they typically will always get the play well before uh, it gets put out for free on Twitter. Sounds like a plan. Hey, before we get back to the uh, college basketball pod, I know that we've been uh, shooting the breeze a little off and on with some NFL, and I'll do my divisional weekend pod with Alex later on. But anything, Bill, because we won't have another pod. Well, uh, maybe we will later this week, but uh, we'll see how the week plays out. But anything early on that you're looking at in the divisional weekend in the NFL? Man, I, you know, I had a really good uh, weekend last weekend in the NFL, and everything that I looked at in the beginning kind of panned out. Th- this week, I really can't believe what has happened so far as, in terms of line movement. Um I was I, I like Green Bay out of the game. I think we I was, I was uh, very surprised to see that <clears throat> couple of seven. Now. Yeah, to see to see that tick down made me a little concerned. Um, the Buffalo Baltimore game that, to me, it's all going to come down to weather. If it's nasty in Buffalo, uh, I would be taking Buffalo there. I don't think Lamar is going to be able to handle the uh, the frigid and you know wintry conditions if they have that there. Uh, the KC Cleveland game intrigues me a bit. Cleveland kind of playing with that chip on their shoulder. Um, but I think back. With that, I said Stefanski back. Yeah, he's back, and I, I'll tell you what: if they lose with him back after winning without him, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine what it's going to be like on Sports Talk Radio in Cleveland. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, they have a tall task to, to overcome with KC, defending champions and Patty yeah, Mahomes well, and all those guys. But I'm looking forward to the game. Like, what's people. that, nine and a half? I'm seeing ten now. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, yeah. ticked up a little bit. But I, I'm looking forward to the game. I think most people are looking forward to the Tampa Bay New Orleans game. Um, I, I, I've never been a huge Tom Brady fan, but if I had a pick between him and Belichick, I lean more towards Tom there as far as like who's done what with who. Um, it's funny because I was more on the Belichick side, but Brady is certainly winning the divorce so far. Right, and I'm I'm just excited to see that game and if if Brady can get the job done. You buy the whole three times you know hard to beat somebody thing because that would obviously work to Tampa's favor as well. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that theory of you know it's hard to be a team three times in the same season, um, and then you factor in the fact that you know Brady's Brady come playoff time, um, it's going to be exciting to watch. And I have a buddy of mine who is like the biggest Drew Brees hater in the world. Um, every year talks about how terrible the quarterback Drew Brees is and how overrated he is. And as soon as he gets outside of a dome, he can't throw football anymore. He actually has a ticket for the Saints to be in the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if he has them to win, but he has them matched up um, with Baltimore. So he's actually rooting for Drew Brees in this. So I take a little bit of uh, – <laughs> yeah, I enjoy that a little bit, seeing him having to root for the guy that he's hated for so long. But I guess, hey, this is probably the last year that Brees is going to be in the league. So, you know, him switching teams here in, in terms of actually backing Brees and might work out for him in the end. Yeah, guys, is it me or did the <clears throat> Brees storyline kind of fly under the radar the whole season because he got hurt again and right. you mentioned Brady being in the division and Brady was healthy and – we have no inclination that this is going to be Brady's last season. And, and then it kind of snuck up on us. And then last week I'm listening to Nance and Romo on Sunday talk about, yeah, you know, this is probably it for Drew Brees. You know, guy that's going to the Hall of Fame. And I guess we don't really know what's going on with Ben either. It's just those two guys, you know, we grew up with. And, you know, at least it looks like Brees is on his way out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like the changing of the guard, I guess you'd say, right? Like these these guys that have been in the league for so, so long now and – you know, it's kind of been their swan song this season, not really knowing. And I think, you know, it being what this year has been uh, made it difficult for people to really follow along. And uh, the fact that, yeah, this could be Breeze's last year, it's pretty crazy to think. And as far as Ben, I mean, we all watched what happened that last game. And we really what happened the tail, the tail end of the season, you know. Right. He, he, he looked like he could barely move in the pocket, to be honest. Uh, still has the arm strength, but uh, I, I can't see him coming well, back. Well, and, and, Bill, I think the biggest difference is look at how New Orleans supports Breeze with the run game, and it's right. just the opposite in Pittsburgh this year. Yeah. So. yeah hey, before we get into uh, – we only got two more college games to pick, so we're definitely getting back there. But I do want to ask you a little bit, too, about this Eagles mess. We talk Eagles oh, sometimes on the pod as well. Uh I was not too pleased with the outcome. I mean, Doug did not have a good year, but, you know, Howie Roseman sticking around, it's hard to sell me. I think the Eagles, I'll be honest, I think it's the worst coaching vacancy right now. If I was a candidate looking around at, at, at my prospects in terms of becoming a head coach, you have any thoughts? Did you see who the early favorite is to be the next head coach? What, are you talking about, like, the gambling odds? No, no, no. This is this was out, this was reported. I don't know about an hour and a half, two hours ago. Um, oh, they, it's not Kafka, is it? No, Adam Gase. No way. <laughs> so if you thought that this has been a shit show up to this point, 
if they hire Adam Gase, like, like I'm not, I'm obviously being uh, over dramatic here, but like, of all cities for that oh, man to come to, God. like he he will get eaten alive. Like they they, there's no way that he would ever succeed here. Not to mention the fact that he is possibly the worst head coach that has been in the league for the past I don't know how many years. He's had two different jobs. It's been a disaster in both places. Yeah, fact, where did the whole thing about him being a QB guru start? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know where some of this stuff comes from, to be honest. Um, yeah, he, he's proved nothing. And then I saw, uh, uh, what's his name, Todd Bowles come out and be a candidate. I, I want no parts of him. Right, yeah, that surprised um, me. Yeah, the only, the only people that I was really surprised you, that they were talking to Robert Sala, for what it's worth. You said you were surprised? I was pleasantly surprised because yeah. Lurie doesn't seem like a guy that likes defensive coaches. No, and I think that's going to happen. I think they're going to go offensive. Um, I think they brought him in and, and you know, just to kind of listen to him talk. Uh, I would love to get them. I said to you uh, and Alex on the text, I'd love to see them go after Biennemi, um coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree. And look, we – we, You're not at all concerned that that's all just Andy and Mahomes. No, I think he deserves an opportunity. I'll put it that way. <clears throat> um, and I think we're at the point now where we need somebody that's going to come in and, and make it their own. You know what I mean? And I think right. it was a little bit different with Doug because of the circumstances that happened with the Super Bowl run and all that. Um, but but if we bring in somebody like the enemy who's coming from the pedigree of Andy who – you know, has has coached on the highest level there is. Um, I, I could see him making some headway with obviously what's going on in the front office, which is Lori and Roseman are kind of buddy buddies, and I, I, I can't believe that <laughs> we're we're seeing what is this the fourth head coach that Howie will have hired? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, come on, it's well, it's well that third old saying right? Like if if he worked under or worked with, yeah. Third that he would have been involved in the hiring process for. Right, exactly. But what, what, I forget what that that saying is. Something you know, if it's you keep cutting the snake's body and it keeps growing back, at some point you got to cut off the head. You know, and I feel like that's that's what Howie is. I mean, right. you look back at the drafts and what he's done there. It's been it's been terrible. So let's end on that note before we dwell any further, and let's get back <laughs> yes, to the college please. basketball. Um, and we're gonna, you're going to take us to the SEC where we have the Texas A&M Aggies traveling to Starkville to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, and you're going to go with the home chalk here and Ben Howland's boys minus the five and a half. Uh, at least that's what I'm seeing right now. I don't know what you booked. I think I booked it at six. Um, okay. Yeah, so A&M has Mizzou next. So, you know, there's our look-ahead spot. They play them uh, this Saturday. Uh, and then they've also lost to South Carolina and then Tennessee. I mean, look, Tennessee's a strong team. South Carolina, I don't, I don't see anything in them. Uh, A&M being 0-3 as road dogs. Mississippi State being 4-1 as home favorites. I'd like to see that. Um, but I think the, the uh, story of this game is going to be extra possessions and second chances. Mississippi State is ninth in the country in offensive rebound percentage. A&M, on the other hand, is 235th uh, on the glass on the defensive end. A&M is averaging 25% of their possessions are ending in turnovers. It's abysmal. Wow. Uh, and, and Mississippi State, let's let's be real. Mississippi State's sneaky good, right? Like, 
they, sure. they've been kind of flying under the radar here. They knocked off Missouri, who's been a great team. They only lost to a Kentucky team who, I mean, going into tonight, looked like they were right in their ship a bit. But after tonight, God knows where that team's going. <laughs> um, a decent Dayton team, a, a half-decent Liberty team, and obviously a good Clemson team. So A&M's only decent win on the other side is against Auburn, which was at home which was only by two. And we've talked about Auburn, Auburn struggles this year and how we're, we've constantly faded them throughout the year. Um, I like the spot for Mississippi State. I don't mind laying the points here. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think that A&M will contend with them. But in the end, I do like Mississippi State covering this number. Yeah, I, I'm not going to have a play here, but I think a lot of your handicap makes sense. Uh, Mississippi State sitting at 65th right now in the Ken Palm rankings. And, you know, obviously – you know, that's a team that's probably going to be right in the mix on the bubble this year. So I tend to like the, these teams when they're when they're a favorite because as long as you can trust them, right, and if you think that they're going to be focused, well, then you would think that they're not going to mess around in these games because obviously if Mississippi State were to lose this game, it, you know, it, it could do them some damage. I mean, A&M right. is, you know, is towards the bottom of the SEC. So – if you think the focus is going to be there, which it should for these teams that are kind of just sitting on that, you know, 50 to 70 range in the Kempom, you know, bubble-ish teams, then, you know, you they should be able to take care of this. The one thing that I would hesitate on, you mentioned Texas A&M playing Missouri next, like, as a potential look-ahead. I don't know that I necessarily think that's as relevant here because, I mean, they're a five-and-a-half-point underdog here. Normally, I feel like don't we look at look-aheads as, like, Oh well, it's here's a big favorite that has a big rivalry game on deck or something like. There's not going to be reason for margin here, like, and we take the dog, right? No, I agree with that. I'm just thinking more so as look at if we want to try and make a statement, if we want to get a big quality win, we're going to get it against Missouri as much as not, we're going right. to get it. You know, I guess this Mississippi State team. That's that's the only reason I I would say as as far as a look ahead spot. Well, and as far as A&M is concerned, I mean, a team that's not going to the NCAA tournament, like, those bigger games are like their season in a lot right. of ways, right? Whereas Mississippi State, again, as you said, just a bubble team, a lot more on the line here for the Bulldogs. Let's wrap things up with another consensus play as uh, we're going to go to the American Athletic Conference, and it's a team that uh, we were both on uh, previously, uh, Bill a little bit more so than me, I think, but... It's going to be the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, a short road underdog traveling to Wichita State to take on the Shockers. Total of 133.5 here. Looks like three and a half threes sitting out there on Tulsa. And I am very interested in Tulsa here, and here is why. Uh, both of these teams are surging and having played well recently. Uh, Tulsa hasn't lost a game since... Uh, the middle of December, so about a month now of calendar time has passed, uh, and that game that they last lost was against Wichita uh, on December the 15th, so we always like to talk about revenge spots. We have a Tulsa team that is now red hot going into a revenge spot, probably my favorite kind of revenge spot to play because, uh, you know, not only are they going to remember their loss against Wichita, but it is the last game that they lost. So I think that kind of amplifies the desire to pick up the win in the revenge spot. Um, and I also like to poke around a little bit with common opponents. I'll do this a lot in, in multiple sports just to get a feel for how the market views certain teams and, and, and who's getting mispriced. And I'll tell you what, I, I just don't get 
the continual mispricing, I believe, of Tulsa because both of these teams recently played Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is a 3-7 and team, not very good, okay? Wichita was a short two-point home favorite against Cincinnati, won the game by six and covered. That was the last game for Wichita. Tulsa, not that long ago, on January the 2nd, granted the game was in Cincinnati, but Tulsa's a six-point underdog in that game. And both these teams, Wichita and Tulsa, that is, are right around each other in the American Athletic Conference. So I don't understand, even though the one team was on the road and the other team was home against the common opponent there, I just think the market has continually been off on Tulsa. I mentioned how Tulsa has continued to just win games. Well, in they've won six in a row, and one of the games was a throwaway game. Like There, was, there wasn't even a spread on the game. But they've been a dog in most of these games, and they got bet through pick and went off as a short favorite against South Florida. That was the game we were on. But they opened as a short dog. I got them at pick. So for one reason or another, they just keep winning, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of respect in the market for Tulsa. So until that happens, I think you have to keep betting them. I mentioned the revenge spot. I'm all on Tulsa here. This is going to be a max bomb for me. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Uh, all the reasons you stated, they ran off six wins, and in those wins, they knocked off <clears throat> number five Houston during that time, too. So, sure, right. To, to think, like you said. To, and they follow it up, right? Like, it's not like there was any letdown. Right, exactly. The fact that the market has not swung on them is mind-boggling to me. Um, this is another spot. They're a short dog. Granted, it's on the road. I'm curious to see what the line does. If this If this line does what it did against South Florida where they end up, you know, becoming a small favorite by the time tip comes. I mean, I'm I'm going to be in absolute heaven with the line um being that we got it out early enough to where we have them as a short as a short dog and, here. And you're going to have enough points where like those, that three and a half I and mean, it's one possession, it could matter maybe they lose by less than less than that. 100%, absolutely. Um and you mentioned how well they've been playing. They they've kind of thrived. I mean, granted, it's only two games, but they are 2 and 0. Oh. Um, this season on the road as a dog. And, you know, people might sit there and say, well, you know, Tulsa, they're kind of like a mediocre offense. They're not, they're not a high-level offense. But you flip the coin, and, and Wichita State's a mediocre defense, you know? And when I'm right. looking at, you know, we've talked about this before, where sometimes the total can be indicative of where the actual game's going to go. I mean, the total's like low 130s, I believe, Correct. Uh, yeah, it looks like 132, 133, uh, 133 and a half. Right. So, I mean, that's not, that's not too many points. So, to me, with the total being that low, it's, it seems like it's going to be more of a defensive battle, and Tulsa's got a top 25 defense. I, I was so. about to say, as I'm looking more on these numbers, yeah, Tulsa 130th in offensive efficiency, but 28th in defensive efficiency. So, if you're thinking a low total, then that kind of tips its hand a little bit on the side. And then when we look at Wichita State – they're outside the top 60 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. So that's another thing that I just don't get here and why I'll gladly play Tulsa. Oftentimes when we have short lines, maybe you want to look to the best unit, right? You know, the best defensive, you know, this team's defense is the best of the four, you know, offense, defense of both teams. Or, you know, this team shoots out from the perimeter way better than the other team. Like, where's your edge, right? Well, clearly here, it's that Tulsa is a much better defensive team, and they're the team getting points. Like, I think it's clearly the side. Yeah, and and kind of to go with what you were saying, you know, we obviously didn't record uh, last night, but my my argument was going to be 
for a North Carolina play, which if we did have the pot, it would have been a consensus play. We were both on the Tar Heels tonight. Um, and it kind of would have fit that mold of, like, the only thing that the Carolina does a lot better is is offensive rebound. And Syracuse playing that defense that they play, they're very susceptible to the offensive glass. And that's what you saw tonight. I mean, those guys were all over it, second, third, fourth chances. Um, where, again, in this game, you look at those four quadrants, and Tulsa's checking the box very heavily in that one quadrant, and that being on the defensive end. So I see them really stymieing the Shockers in this one. Um, again, revenge spot. I don't. I'm not going to be playing the money line. I'm going to. I'm going to take my points. Um, but if if you're feeling like sprinkling a little bit out on it, I, I, I wouldn't stop you in in the, in the late in the least. Well, that's another thing, Bill. I mean, I think almost any underdog that's a single digit. You know, underdog against the spread, you know, normally you have to think there's some degree of, of outright potential there. Not that we're always going to play the money line, but, right. you know, I, I just think that more often than not, if you're playing a short dog, like, you know, or even if it's in the 5 to 10 area, you got to think that uh, they're going to have a chance to, to take it outright as well. And, and, and the thing that we're mentioning, especially with this Tulsa team is, again, not this, this is not just an isolated occurrence now, like continual wins for them building up as underdogs and and we're just not seeing the market adjust could could there be a spot where you know they lose one of these games and 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 the points matter and we still cash a ticket perhaps but again like a a team that's red hot that just and this is a theory that i've thought about for a while with handicapping college sports is it just the fact that, you know, mid-major programs just don't garner as much of a handle and therefore, I mean, gosh, how many people that watch college basketball maybe just watch the big schools or maybe just, you know, casual sports fans that aren't aware of the fact that Tulsa's been red hot, you know, and therefore, if you're a book hanging a number on a game, like, maybe you just don't need to adjust as much. I can't think of another reason why these Tulsa lines, again, could, they just keep winning and, and they just keep being an underdog. Yeah, I think I think what you said holds true. There's you know, the market doesn't see that many tickets being put on those mid-major games, uh, especially like a night like tomorrow night where where are all the eyes going to be at? It's a game that we didn't even talk about being Texas Tech and Texas. Texas right? Tech and Texas, right. Not the same time, but like if you're a casual um, casual gambler and a casual college basketball fan and you're going to play a game, you're going to be playing that game because that's the one that's on TV. That's the prime matchup. That's what I want to be excited about. We've said it plenty of times on this podcast. And another game, by the way, Arkansas LSU is looking right. like it's pretty appealing. Yeah, but like we've said before, all tickets cash the same. As long as the money's green, I'll take it. And if I'm if I'm taking it on a game like Tulsa and I'm making my profits there, I'd rather do that than take than take losses in a big time game. That's for sure. <laughs> well said, indeed. There he is, Bill Christie. You know him as Lucia Larry on Gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks Two. Greg Frank. For me, at Undercover Greg, to find all my picks. Bill, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll see how the week plays out. Maybe we'll do it again. But if not, definitely be chatting and plenty more college basketball pods to go. Sounds good. And, hey, since if anybody made it this far, listen to the whole podcast, DM me on Twitter. Again, like like Greg said, at Larry's Locks 2. DM me. Tell me that you heard this at the end of the podcast. I will give you a discounted rate on VIP. Well said. I love it. I'm not going to be tweeting out my plays. I want you to listen and grab them all now. Again, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone, enjoy your hump days, and of course, please, play responsibly.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.